Today, to honor our mothers, um, I've asked several of the ladies in the church to each read a biography of one of the mothers from the Bible. We have eight of them. Ladies, I've put the readings here in case you didn't bring your, song, your ones, but we have eight mothers and eight volunteers who have graciously offered to help me um, honor our mothers by realizing that Bible mothers struggled a bit too. Sabbath. Today I'm going to read a little bit about Sarah. Sarah, the mother who waited. In Genesis 11:30, we learned that now Sarai was childless because she was not able to have children. This would have grieved both Sarah and Abraham. And by Genesis 15, when the word of the Lord came to Abram, he answered, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. God tells him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you have a son of your own who will be your heir. Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Abraham and Sarah waited 15 years before God renewed his promise, and 10 more year, years before the promise was fulfilled, and Sarah gave birth to a son, Isaac. Sarah probably wouldn't win an award for waiting, and in her impatience, she su suggested a plan that was definitely not God's plan. Genesis 16, 1 and 2 reveals her plan. Now Sarai Abram's wife had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Going to my servant, perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. Later, Sarai even laughed at the idea that God could do what he promised. In Genesis 18, the story continues with then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, Can an old woman like me have a, a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, No, but you did laugh. However, thankfully, God's promise did not rely on the levels of Sarah's faith. God fulfilled his promise according to his plan. And when he did, Sarah responded in Genesis 21, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who wouldn't have said to Abraham and Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Can you imagine waiting that long for a blessing? Sarah tried to believe the promise, but she had doubts until we finally came to fruition. Do you doubt? Are you waiting for the time when you can laugh with joy? Sarah laughed with joy at what the Lord had done. Isaac would go on to continue the legacy of his father, Abraham. Sarah, despite her trouble with believing quickly, 
is one of the only women whose age at death is mentioned in the Bible. When Sarah was 127 years old, she died at Kiriah Arba, no called Hebron, in the land of Canaan. There, Abraham mourned and wept for her, but she left the legacy of a son who has no recorded errors to his credit. In Hebrew 11, Sarah was initiated into the Faith Hall of Fame. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with no, so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. Waiting on the Lord pays off. Rebecca, the mother who believed. Ma Rebecca was a woman of great faith, obeying God when Isaac's servants told her of the man who wanted to marry her. Abraham sent his servant, Eliezer, back to his home country to choose a wife for his son, Isaac, and God led him to the one he had chosen to be Isaac's wife, Rebecca. Story is found in Genesis 24 where Abraham is distressed that his son would marry a Canaanite woman and told his servant, go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. So Eleazar did as Abraham requested. However, he sought the Lord in prayer. And before he had finished praying, he saw a young woman named Rebekah coming out with a water jug on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, who was the son of Abraham's brother Nahor and his wife Milcah. Rebecca was very beautiful and old enough to be married. She went down to the spring. She was beautiful. She filled her jug and came up again. Running over to her, the servant said, Please give me a little drink of water from your jug. After some discussion and meeting with her family, it was determined she would be the wife of Isaac. However, when her family protested that she not leave immediately as Eliezer wished, she was consulted. Well, they said, we'll call Rebecca and ask her what she thinks. So they called Rebecca. Are you willing to go with this man? They asked her, and she replied, I'll go. So they said goodbye to Rebekah and sent her away with Abraham's servant and his men. The woman who had been Rebekah's childhood nurse went along with her. Amazing, she was consulted as to whether she was willing to go, leave home with a stranger and pursue a life as a wife of another stranger. <laughs> what a faith commitment. And she says, yeah, I'll go. Genesis 25 adds to the story by telling us when Rebecca could not have children, her husband Isaac prayed for her and she became pregnant. Think about that. I didn't know that's how you became pregnant. She could feel the babies jostling within her. When she asked the Lord 
Why is this happening? He answered her. Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people would be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. In that time, the older would never have served the younger, and the firstborn son would have inherited the best of everything. When Isaac was old in age, he told Esau to hunt and prepare food so he could receive his blessing. But Rebekah overheard this, and she told Jacob to bring her food so she could prepare it for Isaac first. Jacob was unsure about deceiving his father, but Rebekah repeated in Genesis 27, My son, let the curse fall on me. Do what I say, go and get them for me. I think it's safe to say she remembered and took very seriously what God had spoken to her during her pregnancy. Rebekah risked deception to follow God's promise because she believed what he said was true. It should be noted, God did not call Rebekah to deception, but God is sovereign despite the good or bad choices we make. His plan will unfold exactly as he told her. However, the deception left Rebekah without her sons for the remainder of her life. As Jacob fled at her request to her brother Laban's home, we learn in Genesis 27, but Rebekah heard about Esau's plans. So she sent for Jacob and told him, Listen, Esau is consoling himself by plotting to kill you. So listen carefully, my son. Get ready and flee to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay there with him until your brother cools off. Hmm. When he cools off and forgets what you have done to him, I'll send for you to come back. Why should I lose both of you in one day? prophetic since she never ever saw her son again during her life. Even so, Rebecca believed the word of our Lord. A new king in Egypt came to power who was under no obligation to honor Joseph's deeds in Egypt and keep the special arrangements with the Israelites. He was worried about the Hebrews outnumbering and taking over the Egyptians, so he made them slaves. In Exodus 1 through 10, he says, Look, the people of Israel now outnumber us, and they are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will take over the country. He then commanded the Hebrew midwives to kill Hebrew baby boys when they were born. The midwives feared the Lord and would not listen to Pharaoh. So we find the Pharaoh give another decree that every Hebrew boy that is born you must throw in the Nile River, but you may let every girl live. While this decree was in full force, a Levite woman, Jochebed, gave birth to a son and hid him at home for three months because she believed that time was near for the promised Redeemer to come. Faith in God strengthened her resolve, and it was by faith that she hid him for three months when he was born. She saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. 
Exodus 2 tells us, the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. Then she could no longer hide him. She made a special, and knew he was a, a, she got a basket made of reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. The baby sister then stood at distance, watching to see what would happen to him. Angels of the Lord were also watching him, so no harm would come to this helpless infant that was placed there by an affectionate mother and committed to God's care by her earnest prayers and many tears. When Pharaoh's daughter saw the basket, her servants retrieved it for her, and inside she found the baby crying. Knowing he was Hebrew child, she felt very sorry for him. Miriam then spoke up and asked if she would like to, to fetch a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby. She agreed, and Jochebed returned with her daughter to nurse her own baby. Pharaoh's daughter paid Jochebed to nurse and raise the baby until he was old enough to come live with her. Then she adopted him as her own son and named him Moses. It had been a very difficult for Jochebed to give her son over to the princess who adopted him and raised him as her own. We find that Jochebed was determined to find a way to save her son, and God blessed her plan. Not only was the son saved from death, she was able to nurse and raise him until he was old enough to go live with Pharaoh's daughter. Jochebed was a woman and a slave. Her lot in life was humble. She sought to instill in her son a heart of love and loyalty to God, and faithfully was this work accomplished. Her son Moses went on to free the Hebrew people from Egypt, leading them in the desert toward the promised land according to God's plan. Her plan fulfilled God's plan to have a savior come to his people in Egypt, representative of the great plan to save the world by God's own son. Jacob was in love with Rachel. He told her father, I'll work for you for seven years if you'll give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Agreed, Laban said. I'd rather give her to you than anyone else. Stay and work with me. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel, but his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. But the deceiver has now met his match in the deceptive Laban, who then tricked Jacob by giving him his older daughter Leah in marriage instead. The part that Leah played in this deception was a sore spot to Jacob that he thought he could never love her. Laban would allow Jacob to work another seven years for Rachel, and he loved her more. But Laban insisted that Leah not be discarded. So Jacob agreed to work seven more years. A week after Jacob had married Leah, Laban gave him Rachel too. Laban gave 
Rachel's servant Billah to be her maid. So Jacob slept with Rachel too, and he loved her much more than Leah. He then stayed and worked for Laban an additional seven years. However, Leah, knowing that she was unloved, bore Jacob many children to please him, while Rachel remained barren. There was a constant conflict between Leah and Rachel and their children, and it w- it was easy. It was an easy job. It was an easy home environment for either of the sharing mothers. Constant conflict over whose tent was Jacob's home each evening and over whose children were greater. Both Rachel and Leah ended up giving their maidservants to Jacob, who in turn bore him more children. Genesis 30 tells us, Then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and enabled her to conceive. Rachel bore Jacob two sons, Joseph and Benoni, son of my sorrow, who she bore just before she died. However, Jacob called him Benjamin, son of my right hand or my strength. He was a constant reminder of his life, great love for Rachel. Siblings like to compete, but you can imagine sharing a husband with your sister, feeling like you always had to outdo each other. This seems to have been the lot that Leah and Rachel existed in. Finally, when Jacob decided it was time to go home, they had something to agree about. Rachel and Leah responded, That's fine with us. We won't inherit any of our father's wealth anyway. He has reduced our rights of those of foreign women. After, and after he sold us, he wasted the money he paid him for us. All the wealth God has given you from our Father legally belongs to us and our children. So go ahead and do whatever God has told you. Despite all the conflict in this household, God blessed both Leah and Rachel with children, continuing his covenant promise with Abraham. Leah and Rachel may not have wanted to share. However, through God's careful guidance, they learned to come together and would go on to have sons that formed the 12 tribes of Israel. to you about Naomi, the mother-in-law who shared her faith from the book of Ruth. Naomi and her family fled to, the, fled to the country of Moab because of famine in their land. Her husband and her two sons na- married Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. After 10 years, both of Naomi's sons passed away, and Naomi heard that the Lord had blessed the, f- the land of the her people with food again. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. She told her daughters-in-law, that they could return home to find new husbands. Although they both wept at her leaving, one refused to leave Naomi's side. 
And again, they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. Orpah returned to her people and her gods, but Ruth said, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Ruth was already learning from Naomi's faith, even during a time of bitterness. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law, Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring, at the beginning of the barley harvest. Naomi continued to watch out for Ruth and instruct her wisely. To make a long story a little shorter, there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. Naomi continued to watch out for Ruth and instructed her further in the faith that the Israelites had been taught, especially in her dealing with Boaz, who became the kinsman redeemer. The Lord blessed Naomi, and she gained a grandson when Boaz married Ruth. Ruth and Boaz had a child, and the woman of the land said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better for you than seven sons, has given him birth. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor woman said, now at last Naomi has a son again, and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. This is in the book of Ruth, chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. Naomi was determined to share the plan of God with her daughters-in-law and was blessed with grandchildren who said she was able to be with and raise that she was able to be with and raise for the glory of God. The mother I'll be telling you about is Hannah, the mother who kept her promise. Hannah was married to a man who loved her very much but he also had another wife. Even though Hannah was the first wife and the most loved, this wife, other wife was able to bear children. Each year, her husband Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at that time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Penina and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, 
he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year was the same thing. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. And each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Even amid the sacred festivities connected with the service to God and the feast they were attending, there was an evil spirit that intruded. Year after year, this made Hannah's life a burden. This year, Hannah would go to the house of the Lord to pray. Her husband tried to console her, saying, Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? After a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. In fact, she was praying so hard that her lips were moving, but no sound came out. So the priest Eli thought she was drunk. Must you come here drunk, he demanded? Throw away your wine. But then the Lord blessed Hannah, and she gave birth to a son and named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. And she did just as she promised. And when the boy was old enough, she took him to the house of the Lord and presented him to Eli. Hannah then prayed, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me, Hannah asked? I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And so they worshiped the Lord there. She took him to serve God as she had promised and quietly returned to her home in Ramah, leaving her son in the care of the high priest to be trained for service to God. Year after year, she would visit with the robe she had made for him and many prayers that he would attain the greatness that heaven values. So Samuel lived a de life dedicated to the Lord, and he would go on to lead the people of Israel, anointing Israel's first and second kings, Saul and David. And so we remember Hannah as the mother who kept her promise. Elizabeth is the mother who believed in miracles. Her story is like a preface to Mother Mary's her, herself. And it's found in Luke, the first chapter.
see a pattern of women who want to have a baby and can't have a baby. And they pray. And Our stories today have been about miracles. And Elizabeth had her own miracle. As it was in the olden days, um, the woman who couldn't have a child was stigmatized. People thought it was because they had sinned or their husband had sinned. And so in addition to the pain of not having the child that they wanted, they had the finger pointed, they had the whispers when they went to the market about why this woman was childless. Elizabeth's story picks up on the fifth verse of Luke 1. There was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. Careful they were to obey the Lord's commands. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. In the course of time, Zechariah's duties took him to the house of the Lord to serve in the temple. And when he went in to serve behind the curtains, an angel appeared to him. It was the angel Gabriel. And Zechariah was afraid, dare I say terrified. The Bible says that he trembled and he was, he was really um, taken aback. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Isn't it interesting when angels appear, they often first have to say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. And you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Now, what do you think that Zechariah responded with? Well, he said, but maybe, maybe he would have said something like, and now how can that be? Elizabeth is old. Well, and what do you think? How many times have we prayed for something ourselves and then in our heart of hearts, we really kind of doubted that God could really do it? And I think that might have been where Zechariah was at. We sometimes hear that people have their questions after God announces something that he's going to do. Like we see that, we've seen that in some of our stories today. But for some reason, and surely for his growth, the angel said to Zechariah that because you doubt, you're going to be mute. You won't be able to speak until after all this comes to pass and your wife Elizabeth does have this baby. And sure enough, Zechariah couldn't speak after that. Now before... When, when Elizabeth heard about all of this, um, she had a different reaction. Um, she, there's no record of her in the Bible of being doubtful about it. There's only a record that she was joyful. 
that this miracle was going to happen. And indeed, she did find that she was with child. And uh, along the course of her pregnancy, which probably made news all over the, the countryside there and probably made its way to her family members who lived in other towns, such as the family of Mary, who was the mother of Jesus later. Mary was a young maiden living probably at home with her mother and father, and she must have heard about what happened to Elizabeth because she decided that she wanted to go visit her. Elizabeth was by this time far along in her pregnancy, and young Mary made the trip to go see her. And the Bible says that at the sound of Mary's greeting as she came into the door of Elizabeth's house, Elizabeth's child leaped inside of her at the sound of Mary's greeting, leaped inside of her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary, uh, Elizabeth later said, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. So the baby was born and it came time for the circumcision and still her husband hadn't been able to speak a word. But he came with her to circumcise the baby. And the story goes that when the baby was eight days old, they did come for the ceremony. They wanted to name, the people wanted to name the baby Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. The people said, what? There's no one with that name in your family. So they used a gesture to talk to his father. I guess they figured he couldn't hear either. And asked him what he wanted to name the baby. And he asked for a writing tablet. And he wrote down, his name is John. Instantly, he could speak again. And he praised the Lord. Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, What will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord is surely upon him. Well, Elizabeth and Zechariah probably thought the same thing. They knew they had, been, they had received an awesome responsibility, and God had even sent an angel to tell them about it, to tell them how they could raise this son best. And they did the best that they could with great care, I'm sure teaching him the law because Zechariah was a priest. He would have known and taught him to love God. And the boy John grew up, and the scripture says he grew up to be strong in spirit. And he uh, is known to us as John the Baptist. Because when he grew up, he baptized the people and urged them to repent of their sins. And he prepared the way for the Messiah. How awesome to be a mother who believes in miracles.
Mary, the mother who is blessed among women. Mary, a virgin pledged to a man named Joseph, was also visited by the angel Gabriel. He said to her in Luke 1:31, she was confused and a little frightened until the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary wondered at how this would be possible, and the angel told her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, the Holy One to be born, will be called the Son of God. Mary embraced these words of faith. When she visited her cousin Elizabeth, Elizabeth proclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Mary believed God would fulfill his promise. An angel of the Lord also visited Joseph who put him at ease with Mary's pregnancy. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you're to call him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. As we read further, Joseph took Mary to be his wife, but they did not consummate the marriage until after she gave birth. Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem for a census, where she gave birth in the humblest of environments. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Mary believed in her heart that the child born to her was the long-awaited and promised Messiah. However, she dared not express her faith. So Mary treasured up many things in her heart as she raised Jesus and knew that it was a vitally important job to raise children and train their characters, and this child was more special than average. She also was influenced by the sons and daughters of Joseph and their appeal to her anxiety over this entrusted job she had been given. They caused her extra anxiety. She, being a widowed mother, was also separated much of the time from her son, who had gave her so much comfort. But she also endured the greatest sacrifice of all time. Her son was the son of God, and he had come to give himself up as a sacrifice, the one and only sacrifice that could be made for mankind. She had to watch him suffer, be tortured and mocked, and die a cruel death on the cross by crucifixion. John 19 tells us, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciples whom he loved standing by, he said to her, woman, here is your son, and to the disciples, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Even while he was dying, Jesus cared for his mother and gave her a son, a new son, to love her. Mary was blessed among women, for she was chosen by God to bear his son and raise him. Though there was death, there was yet joy for Mary. And as her son did not stay dead, 
for he rose from the grave, securing eternity for her and all who believes.